Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets have made several key changes this offseason, leaving a potential void at the perimeter shooting spot. We take a look at new addition Lonnie Walker and returning veteran Royce O'Neal. Plus, could Cam Thomas be a factor in unlocking that three-point touch? All coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, it's Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie. He's the owner-operator of DFSR for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbett, breaking down the New York Football Giants on the One Giant Podcast and your New Jersey Devils on the Devils Puck Luck Podcast. We thank you for making us a first listen of the day. We're free on all those great platforms. And Doug, as we say, there's always something to discuss when it comes to this team. And in this instance, it's about what they lost, moves we thought they should make, moving off of some older veteran players. But have they solved the new problem that they've created for their roster in that outside touch? Yeah, look, uh, we've kind of mentioned this in other podcasts, and we were we've been great about we've been you know complimentary of the moves of uh, trading Joe Harris and not re-signing Seth Curry and trading Patty Mills to some extent, I mean, not to some extent, but the part where you lose specifically Harris and Seth Curry and think that you got to be a better three-point shooting team is that's that's really not a sell. These guys are two elite three-point shooters in the league and that was their core skill set. Now, you can say you, there's plenty of flaws the other game. You can upgrade in more areas to make it so that your team is better and younger and all these other things uh, for sure, which is something we'll get to, obviously. But in general, if you are a team that has you know lost those two guys in the offseason and you're you are trying to replace shooting you are going to need to find some spacing and the hope here is that the nets have it with you know a guy that they signed in Lonnie Walker and two guys specifically Royce O'Neal and Cam Thomas that are going to hopefully start filling up even more of the void when it comes to the three-point shooting. So uh, we'll get into that all today, but um, the core case here is that, like, you know, hey, are Lonnie Walker, Royce O'Neal, and Cam Thomas enough to make up that floor spacing? I think we'll be able to probably, by the end of it, say that they are. For sure. And the first guy, or at least the guy we feel like is a variable in some in some way because he's a new addition to this roster, is Lonnie Walker, the fourth, coming over, obviously, most recently with the L.A. Lakers. And we talked about him in previous episodes in passing, as in, why haven't we talked about Lonnie Walker more? And it's interesting because I think the biggest factor when you look at his three-point shooting percentage, it, it's come and gone. He's def- He definitely has it in his game. But my question is around the cast that he's going to play with, right? When you go from playing with LeBron James, with an Anthony Davis, and Adam McHale Bridges and Cameron Johnson, who we're both high on, but don't meet that threshold, my question becomes, is it going to be productive even if you don't have those elite talents on the court with you? Yeah, and I think what you're saying is like, you know, the ability to for other players to command defensive attention, right? Like yes. when you're not yep. playing with those guys, uh, you know, LeBron and LeBron, you add in that he's an elite distributor as well, um, and you know, maybe among the best of all time. And so, you know, ha- you know, what are the chances that your three-point shooting can sustain? So, if you look back at Lonnie Walker, right? He starts off his career, you know, he gets 40, he gets up close to 41% in 2019-20. Uh, that's a limited sample size as he gets further in 
into like more attempts, it's starting to look more like a 35 uh, or maybe even lower uh, percentage three point shooter. Yeah, we'll say 35%. That's yep. not anywhere close to the Joe Harris and Seth Curry game right like it's just it's just not now Lonnie Walker is he better in transition of course right is he better on the ball than those guys yes right so like there's other facets of his game that are going to be better for the Nets or at least more complementary to what they're they have but in terms of just overall shooting no he's not the same shooter as those guys like Joe Harris and Seth Curry again were among the very best three-point shooters in the whole league over a massive sample size. Right. Uh, and Walker and Lonnie Walker's not that. And I have a couple places where he is really good. Um, but you know, when you for just from that standpoint, like, no, it's not you would agree, right? It's just it's 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 not the same. He's not gonna be a one to one guy for when it comes to just floor spacing. No, and I think that that's the difference here that we, we talked about a lot and, and arguably we we spent maybe too much time staying on the side of here's why Joe Harris still has value, right? When you talk about the perimeter shot. We know what he isn't, the defensive liability. He doesn't have anything else in his game. So this isn't about saying, you know, like Lonnie Walker can be functionally an overall better player to add into the rotation for the Brooklyn Nets. But in this specific category, which matters given how much they've lost on the outside, I think you have to have a concern. And when you look over at the PBB's PBP stats, just to be clear, on Lonnie Walker, the one thing that comes up here for me is when you look at Lonnie Walker being on the court uh, with or without LeBron James and Anthony Davis, when they're off, Lonnie Walker is playing with the team that surrounds him to a 105-125 offensive-defensive split. And that's probably where the you know the concern factor comes in here. Whatever spectrum that Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and other guys live on the spectrum of talent in the NBA, if they're not as high as a LeBron James and Lonnie Walker, and Walker, who's most likely going to live in a second-unit-type role, are you going to still be able to be functional, especially as you maybe don't see that spacing and that gravity of other players giving you some of those open looks? Yeah, that's going to be a really fascinating uh, subplot for the next season when it comes to Walker and to, and to some of these other guys that we'll get to actually too. Is that you know when how and we talked about this with other guys like how much do when you're a complementary piece, how much are you benefited by being? Parts, you know, part of a superstar squad. We talked about this with guys that made the move from playing with Luka Doncic to not playing with Luka Doncic, right. and how the numbers went like drop massively. Right, LeBron fits into the same case now for Lonnie Walker. Like the superlatives on his end from the shooting standpoint, if you look at um, where he really excels, like in when it comes to heat mapping, like his corner threes were well above average, 64% true shooting on corner threes. He was about 38% catch and shoot three-pointers. Um, those are the, of the variety that you hope you're, he's going to take in this offense, maybe a little bit more off the dribble. Was okay, top of the arc, around above the break, not so good, right? Like for in terms of shooting, that's where the efficiency really seemed to fall off a little bit. The shot map is not perfect for him as just a straight-up shooter. Again, the opposite side will say well hey they got him to be more than a shooter I get it I get it um like they, <laughs> right. he's he's gonna be he's gonna be more than a shooter for this team he's going to be more dynamic a player than those two other guys sometimes though the math problem that comes into the play with the NBA is that you do still need spacing no matter what like you can have a lot of dynamic creators or whatever but the spacing and the three-point shooting you know, to some degree, the nerds won on this because, like, the math is kind of solved. Uh, <laughs> the math is kind of solved on, yeah. like, who is able to do it and, and not able to do it. I, I am a little concerned from that spacing standpoint on a team that already could really struggle with spacing. They need guys like this to pop 
right? Like they yeah. need Lonnie Walker to really pop and hit threes and get back to like 38, 39%. I, I'm not sure the lift, I'm not sure he's going to be able to get there. I'm excited to see it play out. I'm really super glad they got him. But like that one specific skill is something the Nets are going to desperately need this season. He's shown the ability at times and at places on the court to be able to do it. It's just got to be consistent for a whole season here, right? Like, I, I think that's kind of what it comes down to for him. Yeah, age is on his side, right? Opportunity is on his side. But there's still the question marks of proving it out that you actually can accelerate what you do and do it consistently. Mentioned in there, above the break shooting and how it has been a bit of a concern there for Lonnie Walker, Let's talk about a veteran that maybe not so much a concern for the above the break sample size, Royce O'Neal, and how maybe the veteran is rounding himself back into not only the Brooklyn Nets good graces, but ultimately the Locked on Nets podcast. We dive into that next. All right, before we get to that, tell you about our friends over at Ibotta. Look, you might be thinking about taking an end of the summer trip here. You're looking to save some money. You're looking to get some money back. You're trying to decide which necessities you're going to buy before you take off. Let Ibotta step in here. Stop spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of items, grocery items, produce, personal care, pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. All you have to do with Ibotta is you're going to link your loyalty account or just upload your receipts super easy after you shop, and that's when you're going to start getting cash back. The average Ibotta user earns, get wait for this number here, $120 per year that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you can just use that cash back to, to buy the flight you've been eyeing for that end of summer uh, That end of summer trip. you got you all covered there through Ibotta. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta got to use the code LOCKED, just like our podcast network. When you register, just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in Google Play or App Store. Use the code LOCKED. Download Ibotta today. Okay, so when we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets, the perimeter shooting, and something that we've talked about spacing for this team that's going to be potentially, looks like a concern coming into this season unless certain key players can step up. Beyond Royce O'Neal, uh, beyond, excuse me, Lonnie Walker, we look at Royce O'Neal, who comes over, as we know, meant to be a key supporting cog behind Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, ends up being a starter with them, then post-trade goes to the bench. He plays a little small ball five, he plays a little point guard, it's kind of just all in his bag here, and... You know, I said in the last segment that here's a guy that maybe is rounding back into my my opinion, at least, of, well, maybe there's a little more value here than we realized. After you get rid of Seth Curry and after you get rid of Joe Harris and the consistency that they have from beyond the arc in the regular season, we know what Joe Harris's struggles are in clutch moments and playoff moments. Royce O'Neal, year over year, after his rookie season where he shot 36%, 39, 38, 38, 39, 39 on a consistently rising volume from beyond the arc, including five and a half attempts per game this past year with Brooklyn and maintained that shooting percentage even after the trade. So when he got moved from starter to bench and had the likes of Cam Johnson, Cameron Johnson, Mikhail Bridges and others still continue to perform at a consistent level. It's not surprising because that seemed to be what the eye test tells you. This guy is very versatile in terms of his functionality. But now all of a sudden, with that void, he may be the guy. Like, he may be the guy that the Nets are looking at and go, you, sir, six and a half, six and a half, seven shot attempts from beyond the arc this year for you. 
I, I guess it's in the realm of possibilities. I mean, he was this total Swiss Army knife for the team. And can't really be more complimentary than we already been about Royce O'Neal. Went, you know, starter to bench, played every single role, kind of did everything. What you love to see from him is basically 39% from three on lock personnel independent. Like, he's played mm-hmm. with everybody. <laughs> That's between Utah and Brooklyn and two iterations of Brooklyn. So, like, it all kind of just stayed the same. Um, that is a really, really good sign for this team. Uh, even though we, you know, talked about the possibility of them trading him and then ma- moving on from Royce O'Neal, at least to start the season, they're going to need his floor spacing. What's really interesting about Royce, and you can probably picture it if you, you know, you've watched these games, which I'm sure everyone out there has a ton, is that when you think about Royce O'Neal jacking threes, you think about where they happen, right? Like he's mm-hmm. not a, just a plop in the corner kind of guy and just wait for the ball to get to him. He took a ton of a, a ton of above the break threes last year, and he like fifty six percent above the break three. That's like well on, into the highest range of like that amount, especially for a guy who isn't like Trey Young or Dame Lillard. You know, guys are Seth or <laughs> Steph Curry, guys right. like this, right? That like. They're going to happen there because that's just sort of where they live. The fact that Royce O'Neal took this many of that type and because those are harder too. Because like think about, you know, think about what we talked about with his percentages, right? Corner three is the easiest is like the best, except for a dunk is like the best shot in the NBA, right? Because it's it's the closest three and it's just, and it's worth three points instead of two. Um a lot of times these wing guys are going to make their bones from the corner three because that's where they're going to find themselves open. Because of his role in the offense, Royce O'Neal did not take those, and he was still very efficient. That's like a really good sign for him. And I, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a good sign for him for the Nets now, and it's a good sign for him uh, if they want to trade him, I think, also, because I think there's a lot of numbers that just help him being a contender. But you can picture what I'm talking about, right? These, like, it's like sort of like that, even like extended above the break three that he would just kind of get up and they went in a they went in a lot last year. Yeah. Well, and by the way, like, and, and it's also he gets to be that guy. We're going to talk about another player in the closeout segment in Cam Thomas, who and what his opportunity looks like when you're Royce O'Neal on the court with four other guys. Three of them probably are more quote concerning from a defensive perspective than you right so when we said they're talking about is there going to be enough gravity by other players for Lonnie Walker to have some of those open looks Royce O'Neal has proven not only with and without some of that gravity can he hit those shots but to your point about the range it's also that I can create some of that distance and some of that space with consistency around those above the break threes worth noting here too just if we're rounding out this conversation on him which I which does extend if we're talking about in totality beyond just the three-point shooting, but that's what we're most concerned with here. He's in the 95th percentile in terms of three-point attempt rate. So three-point attempts versus field goal attempts. So again, if you're the Brooklyn Nets and you're trying to find a new potential specialist that unlike Seth Curry and unlike Joe Harris also has the two-way ability, right? Also gives you defensive value so he can be on the court without being a drag because that's that's the big shift the Nets have tried to make here. We don't want to have a bunch of one-way players and always trying to mix and match these combinations. Royce O'Neal is the both and. I do a lot of this thing, hitting three-pointers, and you can go ahead and put me on some pretty key matchups defensively to alleviate some of the stress on the Bridges and Johnsons of the world. And that's why he becomes even even more important for the team. It's a great point because he, he his importance actually rises as opposed to – I mean, to some degree, Lonnie Walker and probably to some degree, Cam Thomas, who we'll talk about shortly, is that Royce O'Neal, because of how the rest of his game 
plays out, he can just be in more combinations. Like with right. a lot of other guys with the Nets, we talked about like the you know, outside of McHale and outside of Cameron Johnson, uh, who we'll talk about in a future episode in depth. Um, some of these guys are a little bit reliant on who the re- who the rest of the guys are around them, right? Like we t- said this about everybody, like Simmons, Claxton, Cam Thomas, right? Even right. Dinwiddie to some degree. Like they need certain other guys on the court with them in order to thrive. What Royce O'Neal has established himself is that like he can kind of be there with almost any group of five or you know other four guys, and you don't have to worry too much about it. He's not going to be a floor raiser because mm-hmm. that's just not his game, but he definitely has a higher floor than almost all these guys just because of the way he's built and just sort of how functional he's shown that he can be in, d- in different facets of the game. So I, that's, a, that's a helpful thing for him, too. And, which, and what also in this discussion about like sort of how to make up the three-point shooting from the loss of Harris and from the loss of Curry, he's a, core, he's a key cock. Um, like he's maybe one of the most important guys because, look, 39% from three is no joke uh, for all the things that he does. Uh, and that, it's just going to be – it's just such an important part of what the Nets need because, again, like look at the roster. Outside of Bridges and McHale, yep. uh, Bridges—that's the same guy. Outside of Bridges and Cam and Cam J, I agreed. Like <laughs> the spacing's a, the spacing could really be a problem, right? Like it, it really, really could be. I, there's just they just don't have a ton of elite shooters, uh, or or even ball creators on this team, and that that does have like down chain effects on the rest of your guys. And, and by the way, just like for a guy who we said was averaging five and a half three point attempts per game, that's going to put you like, it, it, say he gets to six in this upcoming season, which I think is very reasonable because remember his minutes reduced after the trade as well. Yeah. Very successful in the role, but only averaging 20 minutes a game. That would be top 50. And you can say like, is that a big deal? Not a big deal. Top 40 if he had six and a half attempts per game. Like you're talking about a guy that by NBA standards is doing three point shooting at volume. What becomes fascinating for me with him is, to you, you mentioned this there earlier. As he plays better in this potentially identified role, three and D player, you know, I think that then all of a sudden he becomes more attractive going to the deadline. We know the contract is low. We know it's expiring. And there is going to be this push and pull, I think, for Brooklyn based on how their season starts, where their record stands. It's going to be very enticing to move him and also probably very difficult unless the player we're going to talk about next year, one Cam Thomas starts to carve out a role for himself, maybe in spite of the organization. Let's talk about it next. Okay, so talking about the perimeter shooting for the Brooklyn Nets in the upcoming season, obviously a new addition in Lonnie Walker still has some real upside to his game and a little bit more on-ball potential with him as well. The thing about Royce O'Neal is that he's a veteran and he has value for a lot of other teams potentially. It just comes down to whether or not the Nets believe that his year-long value is worth the sacrifice of what you get back in return, potentially. Otherwise, he's a great fit. Cam Thomas, Doug. Ah, the man, the myth, the legend. The, the, the kid that gives you all the sample size, but doesn't have enough size to give you a great sample. He did year over year from year one to year two exactly what we said he had to, right? Everyone was hyped about some big performances in his rookie season when he was given the chance. We said, got to be better from beyond the arc. That like that needs to be the number one thing you do, and it needs to be both off the dribble and catch and shoot. He improved both those categories, 38% from deep. Can he now actually become maybe a bit of a specialist knowing that he has other skill sets in his offensive bag? We just have to find out. Um, the Nets have to play him so we can find out. I, like, Note that's, to Brooklyn. That's, we that's have, gonna be... we have to find something out. 
That's just going to be the key to this whole thing. There's so many stats that 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 just support the fact that he should, especially with this team, should be playing a lot more. Like that's and that and that's it. We'll go through them all here because there's a ton, right? Like Cam Thomas has a ton that you can that you can slice and dice in in order to make the case for a, for a floor spacer beyond just what he has already shown to be, which we know he is. Like he can he can sort of elite score at the NBA level. Um, and whatever else, but the in terms of just like his overall, just like where he gets it done, you know, he took uh, a t- he took a decent amount of not excuse me, didn't take a decent amount of above the break threes, but he was awesome at making them last year. Sixty yeah. percent true shooting on above the break. Didn't take a ton of corner threes, kind of made all of them when he did. He was seventy percent true shooting there. Um, and then you combine with him, unlike Walker, and definitely unlike O'Neal is that you add in that he was elite in the restricted area because he could get to the rim too. Like, he could attack the closeouts. When we saw him last year, the year before we were dying, like, there were so many times we'd say, you're wide open, why didn't you just shoot it? Like, that was a catch-and-shoot opportunity, and he would just wait because he kind of wanted, didn't seem like he felt comfortable with it. He solved that last year. Like, he took a lot more threes. uh, Or, excuse me, he took sort of the same amount of threes, but he took a better variety of threes, and he made them at 38%. Like, those numbers are just really good. And, little spoiler alert here, when it came to effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot stuff, only Joe Harris was better, right? <laughs> like, Joe Harris was 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 the best guy in the Nets. Cam Thomas was second-best guy, above, above Seth Curry. So, I just, just from a spacing and, and, and shooting standpoint, if you're looking to replace, like, these other guys, he is the candidate. Like, he has yeah. to play. And... I mean, right? It's it's so it's so oh. obvious at this point. Even when we compare them to the guys that we just mentioned first, a hundred percent. Yeah, and you know what? And the big difference here too is, by the way, thirty eight percent from beyond the arc. But you mentioned he obviously has other things in his game, which is attacking at the basket. And what's the biggest benefit off of that? The free throw rate, right? Like he gets at the basket, he draws fouls, he gets to the line, he hits at a high clip, attacking the closeout. Right? That's something that Royce O'Neal is not going to be doing at the same level that Cam Thomas can. And that's a big difference if. You're hitting at a consistent percentage and helping some of that spacing and opening up those opportunities. The, the you know, you and I have, have continually set bars for Cam Thomas over these first couple of years, but we both said after the trade, Cam Thomas. We did a whole episode on this. Cam Thomas needs to play the rest of the season. There's no reason not to. You need to know what you have in him. It was the that was the singular most detrimental decision I think that the Nets made last year post trade, even beyond not moving Seth Curry, which by the way, if you had, would have opened up some minutes for Cam Thomas. You know, any other mistakes you thought they should have, including Royce O'Neal, including any of these things. Not playing Cam Thomas just seems to be now putting this timeline where, okay, now we'll go into another year and we'll see if you can do this thing, right? The interesting stuff for me on this that I will bring up is a couple of things. One, his three-point rate, comparing it to Royce O'Neal, incredibly low, 29th percentile relative to field goal percentage. Now, I actually watched, um, oh, I'm going to forget who it was. He was on a podcast, Gil. He was in Gilbert's arena, and they teased this, by the way. Um, if you thought that it was going to be a great conversation, it was about 60 seconds. But in those 60 seconds, when they asked, what did you, you know, how much did Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving teach you? And it wasn't surprising that it was like, there wasn't a lot of teaching. It was just, hey, like, this is how you play ball. But Kevin Durant, he said in his rookie year, told him, go to the mid-range first because it's always available. And if you look at his development, it's not hard to see. Hey, find those little pockets and knock them down. He's very consistent in that. Go towards the basket. Year two, expand out that range a little bit, right? Now year three, 
put it together, right? Put together this full version of yourself where you are decisive when the chances are there. You get at the basket when that happens. And also, if we want to talk about him having these opportunities, then it has to be making the passes, right? And making them right other plays off of this so that you're viewed as a complete contributing player coming off the bench. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and we've sort of been like waiting for this transformation in, in the in, for him to happen, right? To like this like more complete game so that maybe the Nets coaching staff will just play him more. Mm-hmm. The funny thing within this conversation because I agree with all that, right? He's like shown the ability to do that stuff, and he can get into the mid range. He is like a three level scorer. He gets fouled at an elite level and gets to the line. Like all this stuff is actually compare from just those standpoints is comparable to some of the best scorers in the league on a per minute yeah. basis. It's, it's nuts. It, when it comes to the just like shooting and we need spacing, you know, the big dig on Joe Harris and excuse me, the big dig on Cam Thomas. Uh, up until this point about like oh why he can't play he's like oh, he sucks on defense hey great news joe harris and seth curry also sucked on defense so like so <laughs> by the way shout out to Koo from locked on pistons he's got fans clamoring for a three and d joe harris which i just don't think is going to be the case but you're but you're you're right like these guys were not this complete thing so cam no. thomas does not need to be some other version in certain areas Exactly. Those guys stunk. Those guys were complete turnstiles. Like, Joe, Joe Terrace was a parking cone uh, on defense last year. Yeah, he was bigger, and he could, like, theoretically stand next to guys who were bigger, but it wasn't like he did an amazing job on them. So, like, wh- <laughs> I can whatever. stand here flat-footed while someone blows past me being relatively the same height. I can do that. And Seth Curry was picked out mercilessly uh, in switches yep. every time he was on the court. So, like, Cam Thomas can also be picked out mercilessly in switches or just get turnstiled on D. And at least he can score better than those other guys. So uh, just from a three-level thing. So I just can't really hear at this point with this iteration of the Nets team like any more excuses about why he can't play because the skill set is just desperately just the shooting, just the shooting. Like forget all the other stuff. Just Just from being able to hit from beyond the arc, that alone should have him playing more in this team. Forget even when you back out the other stuff that we know he's already good at. Yeah, and by the way, like, because we to go back to where we started at the top with Lonnie Walker, we said this at the time in the offseason when they added in these players. Are they creating a bit of a potential log jam, you know, in head of, ahead of Cam Thomas and preventing him maybe from getting minutes or just trying to confirm, can you earn your minutes, right? Armani Brooks getting a two-way contract. is You can even throw that into the mix of just being like, there's dudes behind you, there's dudes ahead of you, right? It's a log jam. But I do find it interesting that when we talked about Royce and how he has the, the all-around type of game that can be positive at both ends, Think about Dennis Smith Jr. Like, if you want the one-to-one of two guys that are both under, a little bit undersized, standing about 6'3", and don't have the complete two-way game. But what is Dennis Smith Jr. good at? Attacking at the basket and facilitating distributing, right? What is Cam Thomas good at? Attacking at the basket, knocking down perimeter shots. Dennis Smith Jr., some lockdown defense. He can do that for you. That's not a part of Thomas's game. And you actually mentioned this when we were going through our rotation lineups, right? And saying, hey, this would be a super small backcourt, but I'd be very interested to see a pairing like this go out there together for some sample size because of what they are as complementary pieces. They are not individually the full package that you would want from a player. But this is where everybody can't be that, right? Everybody right. can't be Cam, Cameron Johnson or Mikhail Bridges and say, yeah, I'm just a great two-way player. I give you a ton of value. I have a lot of length, a lot of sides. It's all good. So this is where I think Jock Vaughn and the Nets should be saying, we create our offensive value in bursts when we need it with Cam Thomas. And then when we want to lock things down, it's Dennis Smith Jr. Like th- They've started to thread the needle of finding these roles. It's just a matter, are you going to let him, are you going to give him the chance? Because at some point here, 
all these sample sizes, including the 38% from beyond the arc, it's predicated on that they didn't come in big moments in games that really mattered, right? It's garbage time. It's games when you gave off all the stars the night. Like, now put them in big spots. And by the way, we already know from Summer League to these nonsense games that maybe did, did or did not matter, Cam Thomas is not too small for the moment, right? Like, he is the kind of guy that can hit a big shot for you in the vein of, um, ooh, who was on the Hawks years ago? Six man of the year. Get me there, Doug. Lou Williams? Lou Williams or, uh, or Crawford. You know, like, think about yeah. Crawford, like, when he was at, at, for certain stretches, you know, where it was like, hey, like, this is what you are. You're a knockdown bucket getter that comes in off the bench. Very different molds of players in game. But just, like, you can be, he can be that guy if you just give him a little more volume. And that would confirm it, by the way, too, as I go incredibly long-winded. Like, give him a bigger three-point sample size. Give him, get him closer to where Royce O'Neal is shooting and find out, because that's usually where it breaks here. You can run a little bit hot on a couple attempts per game, right? And make your stats look a little bit bigger. When you get to four, five, and six shots per game, that's where you thin out the herd from elite three-point shooters to guys that maybe are just streaky. Yeah, and 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 final note on that too, just something to remember with this, is that like Cam, Cam Thomas, like the 39, 38% from three, the degree of difficulty on his threes last year was much right. higher than almost right. any, than almost any other guy, right? Like, yeah. so th- that's just there's no doubt about that because the times where he was just jacking shots often was in those scenarios like you talked about, like these kind of throwaway moments where he was just asked to just score a ton because the Nets were just down a bunch of guys. Yep. Theoretically, those shots should get easier if the team is just wants you know to him to be just even more of just a, a straight up shooter. So. His 38% does not ring the same from three, does not ring the same as like even like a Royce O'Neal or Lonnie yeah. Walker because these are shots that he's generally creating for himself. And like I said, to go back to it, on the shots that were just catch and shoot, someone put you into that into that perfect like sort of area or zone or pocket, he was effectively the same as Joe Harris, right? <laughs> who we who many for all of his thoughts over the sample size, Joe Harris is one of the best three-point shooters like ever. I yep. don't want to hear the playoff thing. I, like just, just the amount of shots that he took in the in his career ranks up there with the, some of the best all time. So that's just point stop. That's solved, right? So, um, and Thomas's numbers theoretically are on par with that, given the, in those same sort of like um, it's sort of like arenas. Two little notes here too, and I agree hundred percent. I agree with you. One, and this does actually come down to the value overall for the for these type of players for taking a look at Cam Thomas, or for why Royce O'Neal, by the way, is such a good three and D example for the Brooklyn Nets. Because Royce O'Neal, and I just I, I do find things like this to be incredibly important. Royce O'Neal is six foot what four, six foot five, eh, six four, wingspan six nine. Like, so you have some extra value when you talk about you don't need to be the best defender in the world, but you can affect some things. And I I talked about this going back to the hero discussion in the Brooklyn Nets and all the rumors this offseason. Cam Thomas is only six, three. He has a six, six and a half wingspan. Like if you're talking about the stuff that he needs to show, it's that you're big enough and physical enough. And we're, we're focusing on the three point shooting here. But I actually like. Sometimes a little more consistency can actually flesh out, right? Some of what your overall value can be. And again, Cam Thomas could do nothing at all on the defensive end. If he hits three-point shots, if he gets at that basket off of it and helps space this floor for this team, it's going to solve a key problem. We gave you three players. Out of them, one, Royce O'Neal, the wily veteran, has shown you that he can do it with consistency. The other two players are going to have some opportunity to claim that role here that the Nets desperately need. 
All right, we're going to get out of here. Much appreciate everyone that's been jumping into YouTube, uh, downloading the podcast. It's the best way to help the show. Subscribe to Locked on Nets on YouTube. Subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. We're coming at you free all summer long and through the offseason. Not many at places that are going to say that are doing that uh, from a consistent basis with the Nets. So appreciate everyone jumping on. I've only seen the numbers grow. Make sure you subscribe to Locked on Nets on YouTube and podcast. Just be comfortable with who you are. Christopher Pratt. Ah, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more work on Nets basketball.